Good morning. How many people are excited this morning? Do you know something exciting happened last night? Do you know what happened last night? The Raptors won in a dominant fashion. Yeah. So that's something good to look forward to. Um, Just to let you know, if the Raptors make the finals, the NBA finals, we're going to show it up here on the screens. Right? So we're going we're gonna to invite you to invite your friends to come out on those games, and we're going to watch it together. And uh, yeah, good way to bring some people into the house of the Lord. So uh, keep cheering. We've got to get through this series and the next series. But uh, yeah, it was pretty encouraging last night for those that, that got a glimpse of the game. So um, in other news, uh, we're here in the house of the Lord, and Easter was last week. And I hope you still feel the, the passion, feel the excitement, feel the joy that the Easter season brings us when we think about Jesus and when we think about what he's done for us. And so after, we, we talked a little bit about the resurrection last Sunday, and after Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection, he was with them for about 40 days, and then he was actually received up into heaven. But in those 40 days, Jesus had some pretty significant encounters with his disciples. And so the question after Easter is always, now what? Right? Like, okay, we had an awesome time on our Easter weekend. We celebrated. We were able to um, praise God and think about what Jesus did. Uh, But now what? And actually, if we go through some of these experiences or encounters that Jesus had with some of the disciples, we can learn a few lessons. So that's what I'd like to do this morning is just talk about some of those encounters and maybe learn a lesson from each of those encounters that hopefully we can take and apply into our lives. So can you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to look into your word today. And we thank you, Lord, because you are alive, Lord, and we can build our lives upon you. And so, Lord, as we look into your word today, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us, Lord, and that you would help us, Lord, most of all, to apply your word to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the title of the message today is Seeing Jesus. You might have maybe got a glimpse of that as we were singing some of the songs, this idea of being able to see Jesus for who he is. And so after Jesus rose again from the dead... And there was this amazing resurrection. Now he had to prove that he was actually alive. He had to prove that he was who he was. And he had these encounters with the disciples. And so there's a few lessons, I think, that we can try to learn from this. And the first one is to be able to see Jesus through eyes of faith. To be able to see Jesus through eyes of faith. We, uh, Binu read for us this passage in the Gospel of John, how uh, Jesus appeared to the disciples and there was one guy that was missing, and his name was Thomas. And Thomas is affectionately, affectionately known today as Doubting Thomas. Why? Because he doubted. Because the other disciples said, we saw Jesus. Like, if people came to you today and said, I saw Jesus, you might wonder, well, I don't know, did you really see Jesus? And Thomas was doubting. He, he couldn't believe that Jesus was actually alive. And so... He didn't really believe. And he said, until I can put the, my finger into his, into his hands, into those nails prints, if I, unless I can put my hand into his side where that spear went, unless I can do that and know for sure that this was Jesus, then only I will believe, right? 
And actually what happened is that Jesus appeared to Thomas again. And when he went to appear to Thomas in John 20, verses 28 and 29, it says, Thomas said, my Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed, because he saw this is really Jesus. Then Jesus told him, now this is the interesting part, which I want to concentrate on. You believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. I wonder how many of us have fallen into that category. Probably all of us, right? Unless you're about 2,000 years old or something, right? (laughs) Blessed are those who believe without seeing. We don't have the privilege that the early disciples had, the early followers of Jesus, to actually see Jesus. But it says here that we now today are blessed if we can believe on Jesus without actually seeing him. Now, there are times where people will have experiences where they see a, a vision of Jesus or they see like, like the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, he saw a vision of Jesus. There are times when Jesus might appear in a dream. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that later and give you some, some stories about that. And, but still, even if you were to see Jesus in a vision or you see Jesus in a dream, there still needs to be an act of faith to believe on Jesus. And I want to encourage you today to look at Jesus and see Jesus through eyes of faith. Maybe you're here today and you're new and you don't know anything about Jesus and you don't know anything about this whole Christian life or maybe you know some things and you're struggling with a few things. I want to encourage you today to see Jesus through eyes of faith, to believe on Jesus through eyes of faith and to see him for who he is. Today you can see Jesus through eyes of faith, and you can believe on him. It's interesting because in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and, what? Believe. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a story in, in, in the book of John as well that some of you might know, and uh, it was a story about Jesus and Lazarus. Jesus had a good friend, and his name was Lazarus, and Lazarus was sick, and he died. And his sisters, Mary and Martha, sent for Jesus for him to come because they knew that Jesus had power to heal. But when Jesus came, he came on the scene a little bit late, and his, the sisters said, Jesus, if you had been here, then our brother would not have died. And so Jesus very calmly said, roll away the stone, And Martha, full of faith, full of confidence in the Lord, full of trusting in God because she knew that Jesus could heal, said, Jesus, he smells already. Don't open the tomb. But what was Jesus' reply? It says here in John 11 and verse 40, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? To see through eyes of faith that Jesus can do something in the supernatural. That Jesus can do something that maybe we can't do. That Jesus could do something that's beyond our comprehension. To even raise someone from the dead. Jesus responded. He said, didn't I tell you that if you would, that you would see God's glory if you would only believe? How many of us today, we want to see the glory of God in our lives? We want to see Jesus shining in our lives. We want to see Jesus manifested in our lives. Well, here's the secret here. It says, if you would only believe. 
There's so many instances throughout the Gospels where we see this faith coming into play, where Jesus, seeing the faith of the people, does something amazing and, and supernatural and, and heals people and raises people from the dead and heals people from sicknesses. And I want to tell you today that in whatever situation you find yourself, see Jesus through eyes of faith. Let the Lord fill you today with faith. Let the Lord fill you with trust and hope and confidence in him. We can't see Jesus physically with our eyes, but we can see Jesus by faith and believe on him. Believe that he can save you. Believe that he can deliver you. Believe that he can touch you. Believe that he can heal you. Believe that he can set you free. Believe that he can comfort you. Believe that he can provide for you. Believe that he can bless you. Believe that he can make a way for you. Believe that he loves you with a love that you've never experienced before. In 2 Kings, we read about another story about the king of Aram, and he sent soldiers and his whole army after a prophet named Elisha. Elisha was causing him a lot of problems. So because this one man was causing him a lot of problems, of course, the natural reaction is what? Send a whole army, right? And so he sends this whole army after Elisha. And so Elisha gets up one day, and this whole army is surrounding him. And Elisha's uh, friend, his, his, his helper, is with him. And he sees this big army. And the friend, his helper, is so scared. He's probably biting his teeth, uh, his, his nails off. He's thinking, what are we going to do? This whole army has come against just the two of us. And Elisha, very calmly and very confidently, says in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 16 and 17, don't be afraid, Elisha told, told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Lord, open his eyes, let him see. Elisha was seeing through eyes of faith. He knew that God was with him. He knew that God was his strength, his support, his help in time of need. He knew that God would deliver him, God would protect him, that nothing would harm him. But his friend didn't know that. And so he said, open, he prayed this prayer, oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. These weren't just ordinary horses and chariots. These are horses and chariots of fire. Put yourself in that young man's shoes and your eyes are open to see the glory of God, the protection of God, the help of the Lord, the armies of the Lord surrounding you, protecting you, helping you. Isn't that an amazing thing? And this, this young man, his eyes were opened and he saw. Dear friends, this morning I want to encourage you to see Jesus through eyes of faith. Don't be a doubting Thomas, but believe in the Lord Jesus. See, Paul, he prayed as well for the church that their eyes would be open. He wanted them to see the purpose of their lives, the hope of why, why God has called them. He said, I pray in Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who, well, you're not with me here yet incomparably great power for us who believe 
See Jesus through eyes of faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I want to tell you today, if you don't know Jesus, it's just one simple step to say, yes, I believe. To confess the Lord Jesus Christ and to say, yes, Lord, I believe. Uh, Darren Carson, uh, Carlson is the president of Training Leaders International. And he related this story about one uh, elderly woman who, uh, as a migrant, ended up in Athens, Greece. And um, she would walk each day to the ministry center uh, that they had there, and she was overwhelmed by the troubles and problems that she had in her life. And the pastor that was there prayed with her many times and explained that her answers could be found in Jesus, in King Jesus. But she wasn't interested in the gospel And one day the pastor asked her, if God reveals himself to you and shows you the truth, will you follow him? A few weeks later, she met Jesus. During the day, she walked to the same ministry center, but it was closed at that time. No one was there, so she just sat outside the door. And suddenly a bright light coming from behind her, so bright that she had to cover her eyes. The light was shining brighter than the sun, In front of her, she saw a big shadow, and then she heard a voice saying, My daughter, my daughter, the door is open for you. Come. She replied, The door is closed, thinking it was the door of the place. Again, the voice called to her, I am the Son of God, Jesus. The door is open for you, my daughter. I am the door. And when she told this story trembling, she said that she could feel the presence, peace, and joy of the Lord when she experienced hearing the voice of Jesus. And she said, many times you, pastor, have encouraged me to pray that God would speak to me, but now I know Jesus is alive. Now again, we might not have all the opportunities to see Jesus even in a vision or a dream. We, we, we can't see Jesus physically in front of us, but we can see Jesus through eyes of faith. See Jesus through eyes of faith. After talking to the pastor, she took some Bibles and then she started giving it out to all sorts of people and insisting, you got to read this book because it talks about Jesus. So let's see Jesus through eyes of faith. The second thing is, see Jesus in the word of God. And in Luke chapter 24, we looked at this a little bit last week, how Jesus was walking on the road to Emmaus and he came, in, he came into contact with two disciples and so as these disciples, as he was walking with these disciples, the disciples were telling Jesus, not knowing that it was Jesus, telling him all sorts of stuff that had happened. You know, this person who, who they thought was going to be the king, they was crucified and he died and all these things happened. We thought he was the Messiah and he's dead now. But listen, we just got fresh breaking news that some people are saying he's alive. And they're like, we don't know what's going on here. And Jesus, in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, it says, The disciples saw Jesus do many other uh, miraculous signs into, um, in addition to the ones in this book. Sorry, I'm going to backtrack here. I got a little bit ahead of me. Back again to, to the time of Doubting Thomas. Right after that, the disciples saw Jesus um, do many other things. But at the end of this verse... It says here, John says, the reason why all of these stories are actually written, it says, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. The stories that are written in the gospel were given for this one express purpose, so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, let me go back over to um, 
to the story of, uh, of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. So they're on the road to Emmaus, and they're explaining all of these things that are happening, and then Jesus is trying to explain to them from the scriptures why he is the Son of God. He was there physically in front of them, but they couldn't recognize him. But what Jesus was trying to point out to them was the importance of the scriptures, the importance of why all of these things were written, because Jesus is the word of God. There's a story from, uh, from the organization called Open Doors, which help and support persecuted Christians around the world. And they tell the story of a man named uh, Fadi, which is just an alias, and how he became a Christian because he read the New Testament. It said, he said, I read about the teachings of Jesus, the high values and virtues, the high standards Jesus teaches that are the biggest evidence that these things are teachings of God. What also attracted me is the loving environment of the church. That is something impossible to find outside. The man who discipled us considers us his family. He is ready to protect us. And so this man, by reading the New Testament, by reading the word of God, he saw Jesus. And on this road to Emmaus, when these disciples are there with Jesus, Jesus told them exactly what the scriptures had prophesied about him. In Luke chapter 24 and verses 25 to 27, it says, Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe that all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? And then look what he says at the end here. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. It says he was explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Here's the interesting thing about this whole story. You have the two disciples, you have Jesus, right? And instead of Jesus just saying, hello, it's me, Here I am. Instead of just saying, removing the veil from their eyes and saying, look, guys, all these things you're talking about, that's me. I'm alive. All these things you're hearing, these rumors about me rising again from that, it's true. I'm alive. I'm right here. Can you see me? Jesus didn't do that. This is the interesting thing of the whole story, is that instead of Jesus just saying, look, here I am, it was more important for Jesus to show them in the scriptures that he was the Messiah. It was more important for Jesus to show them in the word of God, in the scriptures, what was prophesied about him. It wasn't so important for, him to, for, for them to be like, hey, this is Jesus. It was more important that they realized from the word of God that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the suffering servant, that Jesus was the person that was prophesied about that would come to deliver his people. That was more important for Jesus, that they would see Jesus not physically, but in the scriptures. It was more important for Jesus that they saw him in the word of God rather than seeing him face to face. And it's the same today. It's so much more important for us to be able to see Jesus face to face in the scriptures. Not physically, 
But the word of God declares and expresses the face of Jesus, the character of Jesus, the love of Jesus, everything Jesus has to offer. And so I want to encourage you today, dig into the word of God. Now we just finished a series uh, about the word of God. And I want to encourage you, continue to go into the Word of God, read the Word of God, study the Scriptures, spend time in the Scriptures, love the Scriptures. There's an interesting story about a family in Kurdistan where each member of the family had a dream, a separate dream, that they should cross the river the next day and that they would find living water. The next day, without hesitation, they all went, and as they crossed the river, they were all given a Bible. And they saw Jesus through the word of God. Peter had an experience with Jesus on what's called the Mount of Transfiguration. He had an experience with Jesus where he was up in this mountain and Moses and Elijah had come down to converse with Jesus. And he saw the glory of Jesus. He saw Jesus being transformed right in front of them. He saw how beautiful Jesus was, the glory of Jesus. But Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, And verse 19, he says, we also have the prophetic message. Right after talking about seeing Jesus on the mountain, after seeing the glory of Jesus, he says, we also have a prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it. What Peter is saying is he's saying, look, I saw Jesus with my own eyes on that mountain, transfigured the glory of God. But hold on, people, there is something even more sure even more confident, even more reliable, and that's the word of God. See Jesus in the word of God. See Jesus lived out in the word of God. And I'll tell you another story back from this Training Leaders International. This uh, man, uh, Darren Carson, told the story of how uh, a migrant arrived in a refugee center early in the morning, 6 a.m. in the morning, visibly upset, and told a story to the pastor that was there that during the night he saw someone dressed in, in white and uh, with his hands raised and said, stand up and follow me. And the, the man said, who are you? And the man in white replied, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the way to heaven. No one can go to the Father except through me. And so he began to ask the pastor, who is he? What am I going to do? Why did he ask me to follow him? How shall I go? Tell me. And the pastor in reply, he took out his Bible and he showed it to him and he said, have you seen this before? And he said, no. He said, do you know what this is? He said, no. And then the pastor opened the Bible to the book of Revelation where it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And the man just started to weep. And he said, how do I accept this man, Jesus? And so he had this experience, but then the pastor went and showed him the word of God. And seeing Jesus in the word of God caused him to weep. Seeing Jesus written in the Holy Scriptures caused him to weep. And the pastor led him in prayer, and such a peace came over him. And the pastor gave him a Bible. And he realized that this Bible was so precious, that was so important, that he left, and an hour later he came back with ten other people and said, yeah, these guys need a Bible as well. Because he realized that he could see Jesus in the word of God. And he said, let them see Jesus as well in the word of God. There was another family that was on a boat with other migrants and they were traveling to Athens, Greece. And uh, on the way there, their seven-year-old daughter 
fell into the water. Everyone, it was a crowded boat and everyone was looking for her and they couldn't find her. Suddenly she appeared on the other side of the boat, dry. And she said, a man who walked on water took me and brought me to the other side of the boat. And the parents just dismissed this and thought it was so silly. But upon arriving uh, to the island, they met a Christian who was there who had a fire set and offered to talk with them. And that day, without knowing the whole experience that they had gone through, that Christian man asked them, would you like to know about the God who walks on water? And they started crying. And the man said that he had never, ever used that illustration to share about Jesus. That was the first time he just felt inspired by the Lord to use that illustration. And they asked him, who are you? And he said, I'm a Christian. And they said, what do you mean walk on water? And then he opened up the Bible to show Jesus in the word of God. And he read the story to them about how Jesus walked on water. And they just continued crying. And they said, our daughter fell off the boat. We thought she was crazy, but then she came up on the other side and she was dry. They couldn't make anything of that. But the pastor opened up the Bible and showed them this is Jesus. Today, let's see Jesus through eyes of faith. Today, let's see Jesus in the word of God. And thirdly, Let's see Jesus as the restorer. Another interaction that Jesus had with the disciples found in John chapter 21 was with Peter. Now, Peter had been a a follower of Jesus for a few years, and he was part of Jesus' inner circle. He was even considered probably the leader of the whole group. And um, yet Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him, would forsake him. And it didn't happen once. It didn't happen twice, but it happened three times. And after the resurrection, Jesus came looking for Peter. And you might be here today, and you might feel like you're broken. You might feel like you're useless, that like you're a mess and hopeless, full of problems. I want to tell you today that Jesus is the restorer. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for some time, and you feel like, oh, I just messed up. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your savior and you think you're beyond repair. You think you're beyond salvation. You think you're beyond saving. I want to tell you today that Jesus is the restorer. And if you'd like prayer today, we're going to have some people here at the front at the end of the service. And if you want to come for prayer, we would love to be able to pray with you. We would love to be able to journey with you. We would love to be able to share Jesus with you and the hope that he brings and the restoration that he brings to broken lives. But in John 21, when they were having this conversation, uh, Peter was having this conversation with Jesus. Peter denied Jesus three times, so Jesus comes to Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. Just forget about that time that I denied you, but yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And Jesus asked Peter again, Peter, do you really love me? He says, yes, Lord, I love you. He said, well, feed my sheep. Jesus asks again, do you love me, Peter? Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. But at the end of the conversation is what I thought was really significant. Because in John 21 and verse 19, Jesus tells Peter, follow me. Now, you might think those words are really insignificant. You might think those words are really nothing. You should just follow me. But to Peter, those words resounded in his mind as a recollection of the first thing that Jesus told to him about three and a half years before when Jesus found him uh, as a fisherman and he was fishing and Jesus saw him and he said, Peter, follow me. 
And by Jesus using those exact same words, Peter, Jesus was telling Peter, Peter, I want to give you another chance. I want to restore you. The same way I called you those many years ago, I'm calling you again and telling you, please come in, follow me. This was the original call that Peter had heard. He was telling Peter, you're forgiven, Peter. You're restored, Peter. You are loved, Peter. You have a purpose, Peter. I have a plan for you, Peter. I want you to still follow me. Hope is not gone, but I want to restore all things. I want to bless you, Peter. Jesus could have restored Peter and just said, you know, Peter, I I realize what you did. Don't worry. Things are going to be okay. But you know, Peter, I think I'm just going to relegate you to maybe like the number 11 or 12 position. Because I gave you a chance, you really messed up, don't worry, not all hope is lost, you're still going to be part of my disciples, but maybe just like number 11 or 12. Is that what Jesus did? No. Peter ended up becoming the leader again. Peter on the day of Pentecost stood up and he preached a message and 3,000 people were saved and came to know Jesus Christ. And God used Peter, you read through the book of Acts, you see the amazing ways in which God used Peter. So Jesus didn't say, okay, you know, just come back, but you know, just keep your mouth shut, Peter, because you seem to mess up every single time you open your mouth. Just don't say anything, just stay in the corner, and everything will be okay. No. Because when Jesus restores, he restores completely. He restores in an amazing way, fully, 100%, to the point where Jesus extended his call to Peter again and said, Peter, please, will you follow me? There was a time when Israel was in bondage and because they disobeyed the Lord and they were taken into the land of Babylon and they were in captivity. But the Lord promised them in Jeremiah chapter 27, he said, they will be taken to Babylon. There they will remain until the day I come for them, declares the Lord. But then what does he say here? He says, then I will bring them back and restore them to this place. I don't know what situation you're in today. I don't know what trial or difficulty or problem, but if you feel broken today, if you feel hopeless today, if you feel like you've gone beyond the point of salvation, if you feel like you've gone beyond the point of help, I want to tell you today that Jesus is the restorer and there's hope for all of us here today. Jesus is able to help us. Whatever trial, whatever difficulty, whatever problem, whatever hardship you're facing today, know that Jesus is the restorer, he's the repairer, and he is the resurrection, which we celebrated last week. There's a story, you know, there's a new movie out, right, that a lot of people are going to see. I know you're thinking about Avengers. It's not not talking about that. But there's a new movie that's out. It's called Breakthrough. Maybe some of you all seen it. But it's the story of these three kids that they went on, on a frozen lake and the, the, the ice broke and they fell through. And one of the kids was unconscious for, for I think probably about 45 minutes and he was pulled out and they, they, couldn't have a, they didn't have a pulse for him or anything. And they thought that he would be brain dead because they didn't, he didn't have oxygen to his, to his brain for such a long time. And the doctors, they brought him to the emergency room. There's a, there's a true story. The doctors brought him to the emergency room and they were trying to revive him and they couldn't. And the doctors thought, he's dead, he's gone. And so the doctor allowed the mother who was there in the hospital to come and see her son. And she came and saw her son and she wept in front of her son and she prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, don't take my son. And she prayed and wept and life came back to him. It's a complete miracle. And the doctors thought that he, would, he wouldn't be able to rega- regain his, uh, his regular life. But in just a matter of a few days, he came out of a coma and he was, he was just the same he was before. 
And it was a supernatural miracle. Why? Because Jesus is the restorer. Because Jesus can restore any situation. In whatever place that we are, in whatever brokenness we find ourselves, know today that we have hope in Jesus because he's alive. He rose again, again from the dead. He is the resurrection and life. And he gives life to us. And he restores us. First Peter chapter 5 and verse, verse 10 says, In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, maybe we're going through some suffering, maybe we're going through some trials and pains and difficulties, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. The beauty of God's restoration in our lives is that God knows the end from the beginning. Do you know that? God knows the final story from when the story began. Because if you look at, if you look at it in the life of Peter, you see in, in Luke chapter 22 and verse 32, it says, but I have pleaded in prayer for you. This is Jesus talking about Peter, Simon, Simon Peter, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented, so Jesus knew already, Peter, you're going to deny me, you're going to fail, you're going to falter, but when you're repented, turn to me again and strengthen your brothers. See, Jesus knew the end of the story from the beginning. He knew what Peter was going to do. He knew the faults and failures, but Jesus was still so confident to know that, Peter, I'm praying for you, and I know, Peter, that with my help, I'm going to pull you through. And maybe you're like that today. And you're thinking, God, I don't know where I am, Lord. I don't know why this is happening to me. I don't know what the situation is I'm facing. I feel so down and discouraged. I feel so hopeless. I feel so lost. I feel so, so defeated. Lord, I don't know how you're going to do something in my life. And Jesus is just there thinking, man, you don't know the end of the story yet. Because I know it. And I want to give you some hope. Jesus is the restorer. It's a story from a missions organization called Mission India. And uh, is a, by a, a man named Farage. And uh, Farage, he was, he was a drunkard. And he had damaged his health and destroyed his family. And uh, he had fought with his wife almost every day. And his alcoholism led to kidney problems. Finally, his wife ended up leaving him and living with, living with her parents. And he missed her so much that he immediately went and asked her to return and promised and said, look, I'll be different, I'll change. And so she agreed and she came back. One week later, she left again because he hadn't changed. But a church planter in that area went and met him one day, and he shared the love of Christ with him. And that pastor prayed with him. And that very day, Faraj confessed his sins and received Jesus as his Savior. And he started praying daily. He gave up smoking and drinking, and his health started to improve. He experienced newfound happiness and peace and joy, and he was ready to share his testimony. So he went to his wife, who, who he was apart from for four years, and he told her about how Jesus had transformed him and delivered him from all of his addictions, and she, had heard, the go- and she heard the gospel the first time from him. And she was convinced, and so she gave him another chance, and she came back and, to live with him. And now the couple, they're together and they're living happily. And he's actually praying now for her that she would come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus is the restorer. And maybe you're here today and you're thinking, oh, my marriage is broken. Or my relationship with this person is broken. My relationship with my my kids are broken. Or this thing is wrong or that thing is wrong. I want to tell you today that Jesus is the restorer. And he's able to do it. All right, last thing. And I'm going to finish up because this is the best part here. All right? This is simply the best part. That's why it's the last point, right? 
Jesus, see Jesus as our coming king. Not just king, but coming king. He's coming. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus is coming back for us. That should give us some excitement. That should give us some joy and some hope that he is coming back for us. You know, it's one thing that sometimes we often overlook and that's not concentrated on is that Jesus is our coming king. The early church lived with such an expectation. The early church really thought that Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime. And so they lived with such an expectation that radically transformed their lives and radically changed what they did because they wanted to share the love of God because they thought Jesus is coming back and he's coming back very soon. And while Jesus was, was here on earth, they thought that Jesus would be the Messiah that would overthrow the, the kingdom of, uh, of Rome and would restore Israel to its glory days. But Jesus came as a king, as the suffering servant, to save his people. But when he comes back, he's coming back in glory. After Jesus was, was with his disciples for about 40 days, and he told them to wait in Jerusalem, and as he told, after he gave them those instructions, the word of God says that he was taken up into heaven. Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Men of Galilee, after he went into heaven, the angels were there, and they said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? They're just looking up wondering, where, where did Jesus go? What, what happened? He had been with them for 40 days after the resurrection. And they was looking out, like, where, where is he? And so the angel said, Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. That is the hope that transforms our lives. Jesus is returning. Jesus is our coming king. Jesus is not just the suffering servant, but he's the coming king that comes to bring us hope. You know, as part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance denomination, there are four main things that we focus on. One is Jesus, our Savior, Jesus, our Sanctifier, Jesus, our Healer. And the fourth thing is Jesus, our coming King. And this was such a large emphasis in the early church that they used to greet one another with a term. Can anyone tell me what that term was? Does anyone know? Maranatha. So instead of saying, hi, Raymond, they would say, Maranatha, Raymond. Can we try that? Like, can you just turn to the person beside you and just say, Maranatha. So maybe after the service today, when you, when you see some people, instead of when you go out to get some coffee after the service, instead of saying, hi, how are you doing? Why don't you just say, Maranatha. Why? Because it, it gives you the hope that Jesus is returning. Paul calls it The blessed hope in Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. uh, Singers and musicians, you can come. Titus 2 verse 13. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He calls this the blessed hope. While we wait for the blessed hope. In your life, in my life, is that such a thing? Are we waiting for that blessed hope? Are we looking for and longing and waiting for the day that Jesus returns for us? Jesus came. We celebrated it last week. We talked about his death. We talked about his resurrection. We talked about that he's alive. But do you know that he's our king that's going to come back for us? In John chapter 14 and verse 3, it says, Jesus telling his disciples, When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. I don't know about you, but that gives me such comfort. That gives me such joy and such expectation to be like, one day Jesus is going to come back for me? 
One day Jesus is going to return for me and sorrow and sadness and sickness and all of those things are going to be no more. We should live with this hope every day. The hope to see Jesus as our coming king. The hope to be with Jesus, our coming king. The hope to rest with Jesus, our coming king. Maybe today you're here and maybe you've lost some loved ones. Maybe you're here and there's some family members that have gone on before you to be with the Lord. Do you know one day you're going to see them again? One day, we can be reunited with our loved ones, those that have confessed Jesus as Lord and those that have lived their lives for him, and we're going to be reunited together in such an awesome and a heavenly experience. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. So let's praise the King Jesus. Let's lift up the name of the King Jesus because he's our coming King. Praise the King because he's coming. Praise the King because he's alive. Praise the King because death is being defeated. Jesus is alive. The grave could not ignore it. When all of heaven's roaring, hell, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The world could not ignore it. When all the saints are roaring, hell, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Because the King Jesus is coming. Let's all stand and we're going to sing to the Lord because Jesus is coming.